Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time for Batter Up, the definitive Atlanta Braves podcast with host Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson, giving you exclusive insight into our Braves from Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Joe and Caleb. Welcome into Batter Up Reaction after Game 3 on this Monday, October 11th. I'm Caleb Johnson and with my co-host Joe Patrick. Joe, who has just left uh, the post-game press conferences with everyone. How are you feeling after another 3-0 win? First of all, I'm feeling really aggravated that somebody decided to start this game so that it let out into Monday rush hour traffic. But that's besides the point. <laughs> I'm feeling really good yeah. about you know where the Braves are right now uh, in this in this series. I will say just right off the top, right off the top, it feels like the Braves are in an amazing position right now because they've got you know obviously have a, they have a series lead. They can possibly just win win the National League Division Series tomorrow at home, um, which is true, but. It's, you know, they're probably going to be facing Corbin Burns in game five if it does go to a game five. And if that happens, then even though the the, the Braves will have Max Fried going as well, that's a total, like, you cannot, like, kind of pin that that's going to be a win because you've got Max Fried going because you're going to be going up against a guy in Corbin Burns who's already shut you down once in this series. So the Braves have given themselves a great opportunity to win this series, uh, to, to get the job done here at home. Um, I think they need to do that tomorrow. You do not want this series going back to Milwaukee where it's going to be a raucous crowd. They're going to have a Cy Young pitcher, contending pitcher uh, going for them. So, it, you know, it, it's, it's good. It, all that having that been said, it's it, the, the Braves are in good shape, but um, they need to take, take advantage of the, the position they put themselves in. Well, and to that point, I think everything is set up for them to be able to do that, to finish the series off tomorrow. You tweeted out something at the end of the game today that absolutely blew my mind, but really should be a a huge uh, sigh of relief for Braves fans, is that the Milwaukee Brewers have scored in one inning in this series. The Braves have back-to-back 3-0 wins, and... I mean, I mean, you want to you want to get a just a completely different field than I had in game one, where it seemed like the pitching matchups were even and the hitting was practically even. I mean, there was, you know, there was one swing of the bat that really defined game one. And so to come from that to, to two games after where it's not just that the Braves are are finally hitting, but honestly, both of these games would be would have a larger score deficit if not for some 
base running blunders. I mean, that's honestly like we, we have reached a point where it's not like one swing of the bat changed each of these games. It's like the Braves are, are going back to their regular ways of getting hits and scoring runs and the pitching has held up its end of the bargain. It just feels completely different than it did at the end of game one. Yeah, I, I, I would say, you know, you got to give Ian Anderson so much credit. And, you know, one of the talking points coming into this start for him was the fact that, you know, with the big kind of the, the pressure of this playoff game, this huge game three that really could kind of turn the tides of the way the series is going to go, um, could he handle that? And I think that, you know, there were obviously signs, the fact that he pitched for the Braves in the last postseason and, and did well in, in those appearances. Uh, signified that he would be able to do that. But then he came out today and just kind of put the stamp on it that he's not going to be a pitcher who's like a young kid who gets flustered by these kinds of things. I don't think we necessarily, the two of us, thought he would either. I think we we kind of spoke about that, about how he's such a mature guy. You would never think that he's, what, like 23 or 24, however old he is. Yeah, exactly. um, so a huge credit to him for for being able to go out there and, and you know, give the Braves exactly the the ideal – performance that they would have wanted out there he got, got into a little bit of trouble at times in that fifth inning it got dicey but uh hey you know that the, both teams kind of made some base running errors that one actually really reminded me of the base running error that the Braves made in game seven of the NLCS against the Dodgers last year when Dansby Swanson I don't know if you remember but there was a ball hit he was on third base I think they had the bases loaded with none outs uh he bolted for for home plate or maybe it was second and third Anyway, he got himself thrown out, and then Austin Riley got thrown out on third base. That was terrible. Uh, anyway, but, the, you know, Ian Anderson got the job done for you, gave you a great outing. His changeup was amazing. At one point, the Brewers had swung it at 13 times and missed 10 times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, like, like completely fanning guys with that changeup, and I think that was the story for him. So uh, great to see that. And then uh, we got to talk about Jock Peterson, man. Like, that, he's kind of the story. He was clearly the story that the beat writers – uh, we're loving. I could, you know, just I could see him working and talking about it during the game, and uh, I think everybody was relieved that like nothing else crazy happened, so they could kind of focus the story on on him and his pearls. Yeah, it's it's the it's something that we talked we we've literally talked about it game one and game two. Power of the pearls mm-hmm. is the fact that when Jock Peterson comes up to the plate, you can count on him, and and he's got this. Uh, you know, th- this additional swagger to him, this this added level of excitement that he's bringing to this Braves roster. You and I have been ones saying, hey, maybe have him in the lot, you know, maybe have him play an entire game rather than just being <laughs> right, yeah. uh, a pinch hit. But then I kind of go back and forth and I'm like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing of of like, I, I mean, I, I don't love Rosario. Uh, at the plate and Mm -hmm. then today i saw you know pretty massive defensive miscue where uh you know ball comes his way and he ran forward and and the ball sailed over his head it was kind of one of those like uh that's two now he's had recently he of course he had the other one in that philly series where he you know was kind of a line drive kind of similar and it just you know skimmed off the top of his glove there where it really shouldn't yeah well and and so it's one of those and and i like he's supposed to be out there because for that reason a better a better defensive outfielder than jock peterson but uh i, I mean it, it but it, it's it's one of those like at the end of the day it is working jock peterson what he is bringing to this team is so much fun and, and, and like that is that is the aspect that i lean on uh because that is what has made this braves team watchable 
mm-hmm. is the fact that they're not only talented, but they're fun to watch. And and I said this, I think after game two, you lost a lot of that when Ronald Acuna went down and everything that happened with Marcelo Zuna, you lost a lot of that fun. I know Guillermo Heredia uh, has, you know, he's doing the sword thing and, and that's great and it's fun, but it's also it just doesn't reach the same level mm-hmm. that having a guy who is out there um, all the time mm-hmm. um, or, or is just more, I guess, just more dependable, like, like more of a face uh, of, of this team than an end of the bench sort of guy. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think in, in Jock's case specifically, like it's his personality that allows him to actually perform in, in these yeah. kinds of situations, you know, it's, it's that kind of, he, it's weird to kind of pin down what his personality actually is. And it was funny to just kind of see the press conference take place. And the journalists are clearly trying to get at that. Like, who is he? What is he? Cause you know, we're not allowed in clubhouses right now or potentially forever. Who knows how long it'll be before press writers are back in the clubhouse. But um, you know, I think, I think everybody's trying to pin down like, who is this guy? Because when you, t- when you ask him questions, you can kind of get a sense of it in press conferences. He's kind of like aloof. He's kind of goofy. Like he's kind of uh, mm-hmm. like semi-sarcastic, but also like serious. He's a, he's just a strange guy. You you get the the you you understand that he's a little bit weird, but it's it's hard to pin down exactly why. But I think that what he is is like he just he's not he's never um overwhelmed with like anything that's anything in particular that's going on. And so whether that's a press conference, he's just kind of shooting from the hip, you know, and just kind of just like going about it. He's, he's clearly not like pressured by it. And I think you clearly see that when he's in these kind of pressure pack moments, like he was in today. Yeah. So, and here's something, this is a bit of a tangent that we'll go for just a second. Cause talking about Jock is a perfect example of specifically a baseball writer's nightmare uh, for a yes. lot of people who, who, for a lot of people who may not realize baseball writers, just in general, baseball media, they have a tendency to not really ask questions. They just say words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they, they say words and they want you to tell your story. They want you to tell what can what you say feeling. about yeah. X, you know? Yeah, exactly. Or that hit in the third inning. <laughs> right. Yeah, and just, and just wait and, and, and let, and, and a lot of Freddie is a guy who he can take that. He can run with it. Dansby, a guy who can take that, who can run with it. There, there's multiple guys on this team who will take and run with just a little thought bubble. That's kind of thrown out there. Mm-hmm. Jock Peterson is not one of those guys. You've got to really ask him specific things to, to get that out of him. He's just not going to freely hand you information about him because and I and I caught this because uh at the end of the broadcast on TBS today they talked to Jock Peterson about just kind of the game and everything like that and they were doing a lot of that you know wow what a crazy you know performance and and he's kind of like yeah it was wild it's great <laughs> yeah. I love it you know and like he's just not giving anyone a whole lot of information um just because it's not in his natural personality, it seems like he he definitely like the the I, I want to say like a a giddy kid. Yeah, uh, like he he loves the game of baseball, no doubt. And he's not just going to give you a freely a bunch of information unless you pull it out of him. 
Dwayne Mapp has a good one in the comments of, of our Facebook live chat. So he's the Marshawn Lynch of there baseball. There we go. That's, that's great. I love that. that. That is kind of what he is. It was funny. Jeff Schultz from The Athletic was asking him today about the pearls. And he was like, are they real? Did you get them at the dollar store? Like, you know, what's the story behind these things? And he was like, he is not giving. And he gives just like, he gives us like a very literal answer. He's like, yeah, I just liked how they looked. And I texted my jeweler. And yeah, they're real. And there you go. He goes, I texted my jeweler sick (laughs) (laughs) um but like dansby i thought actually had the most interesting kind of quote about jock which was um again this is kind of like people trying to figure out who who the hell this guy is and what his personality is and dansby said that um he reminds him of like the his not necessarily describing his personality but he reminds him of josh donaldson just in like the way that he is who he is and like he's kind of oblivious to everybody else's perception of who he is or like he doesn't care about what anybody else thinks about who he is he's just like doing his own thing and i think they're very different in that josh donaldson was like a super intense guy and um kind of had his own kind of characteristics and jock peterson's a little different not he doesn't have that same kind of intensity but just does kind of um you know what, what's, the, what's, what's the yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just it, kind of like goes to the whistle of his own tune or whatever that phrase is. I forget how it goes. Well, because I, I was about to say, like the thing a lot of people will say, well, I don't really care what anybody thinks about me, but that's not it's not really true. Yeah, people <laughs> absolutely. And and especially you want to talk about uh, a group of people who really care what other people think professional, you know, professional athletes in general, I would say professional baseball players, but professional athletes in general, like you, you talk about this see you know going from a season of no fans in the stands to the crowds full and they're like they feed off of other people's um you know energy and and what they think about them whether they'll admit it or not i mean look you you had the mets earlier this season who was booing the crowd back because of, (laughs) of how they were being treated so like yeah uh i said all that to say though but you're right the jock is the type of person who's kind of like he is the odd one out of that who really doesn't care like he i i imagined him because he did the pearls thing right about the same time that he colored his hair and and like buzzed the sides or whatever Mm -hmm. but you 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 saying you know him texting his jeweler and being like sick like i imagine him just like scrolling instagram or something and seeing that and being like yeah i'm gonna do that that's cool yeah and Uh, like, like and about the pearls, they were like uh, somebody asked Dansby like what he thought of the pearls like when he first saw him, and he was like, "The best way I can describe it is like it was shocking, but also it wasn't at all." And, and Ian Anderson was like, "Yes, that's the best way to describe." <laughs> so, uh, and a hell of a swing on that pitch, by the way, to hit that ball off for a homer. I mean, that was uh, just a great, great at bat. Um, man, he's just been worth his weight in gold. When you when you perform like you do in the playoffs, it doesn't matter what you really do in the regular season, as long as your team's in the playoffs and you start performing. So um, again, can't really give Alex Anthopoulos enough credit for some of these guys he's been able to target and acquire and go after. And it's really great to see that Jock has been able to fit in this clubhouse, not just fit in the clubhouse, but I think he's almost changed the clubhouse in, in a little bit of a way that has really helped the rest of the team, especially with where they're at now. It's Jocktober. Jocktober. Uh, I, I do want to get to one thing that you briefly mentioned it earlier i was curious uh what snit had to say about the massive base running blunder um i'm trying to remember what inning that was is that second the inning. Second, second inning, inning. okay mm-hmm. uh yeah so 
you get uh, Adam Duvall running to second base uh, on what I thought was going to be. That was Eddie Rosario at the plate, right? It um, was. No, it was uh, Travis Darno at the plate. Oh, I'm sorry. Du- okay. Duvall, Duvall on first, or um, yeah, Duvall on first, Austin Riley at third, one out, and the sack, the, the fly ball goes out to left field. Yeah. So Austin Riley is coming home on what's going to, you know, he, he's going to score with two outs. Um, yeah. And you've got Yelich who catches it. And instead of coming home, which why would he have gone home? He was never going to get it there in time. I mean, I mean, that was the broadcast he even talked about like, yeah, Yelich has never been known for his arm mm-hmm. um so he goes to second and and i'm just left thinking like what what are you doing and, and also to the point of when adam duvall realizes that he's not going to make it there in time the fact that he didn't at least just run around like you know, <laughs> know almost right, like, exactly almost like a, in a pickle situation just to make sure it was just so bizarre uh, what did what did Snit have to say about all of that? Well, he he wasn't long with his answer. He just said uh, that was not a smart play <laughs> by Adam. And I and uh, he's like, and uh, when he came back to the dugout, we had a conversation about that, and he agreed. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. what a what a what a like dad thing <laughs> yeah. to say, you know? I know. I I think that conversation. I think it was a, there were a little bit more curse words in that conversation <laughs> probably than uh, than it's than Snit made it sound like after the game. But no, I mean. I was so flummoxed by it. And I think, you know, you're right. Like you should have definitely just held up and at least created a pickle situation so that Riley could have scored. But you know, when I think more about it, I just think that he just, it was just a total brain fart. And he like thought that he was just going to make it. He was like so determined to make it into second base. And I understand the reasoning why you would want to be aggressive and making that base running move is because Dansby Swanson was coming up next and then it was the pitcher. So you want to get yourself into scoring position for your last position hitter in the lineup. So that's the thinking behind it, but it really, I mean, he shouldn't have done that though. Um, but well, I think that the, the fact that he didn't try to hold up for a pickle just shows that like, he wasn't even thinking in those terms. All he was thinking about was trying to get to second. If there was that sack fly uh, potential on that, on that hit. I, I think at the end of the day, it's one of those, I'm glad it didn't matter uh, because yeah. I, I would have been curious to see what Smith would have to say if this game had gone in an opposite direction only because like how, how many times this season and, and seasons past has, you know, Ronald done something um, or I think, you know, we've had Dansby before in the past. Like there have been other guys who Snitz kind of used that opportunity of talking to the media to uh, dig into them and make sure they understand how dumb of a play that was. Mm-hmm. So I was just curious to see how he would uh, handle Adam Duvall. But I guess at the end of the day, it's probably feeling very different about it at the end, at the end of the game, because they won, well, you know, yeah. winning, I winning mean, kind of solves it all. Adam Duvall was probably like the, you know, the, the, the one who was most happy to see Jock Peterson hit that home run of anybody in the stadium. Brian Snicker may have been second because if they lose that game, I mean, we were talking about it. I texted you as soon as it happened. I was like, this is going to be the storyline of this game. Uh, mm-hmm. We at least have our first talking point of this game to talk yeah. about because, you know, well, it's it now it's a trend because it happened. You had a base running mistake. None as bad as that one. But you have a base, base running mistake in game one of this series. 
And then if you go back, they had a bad base running error that I referenced earlier in that game seven of the NLCS against the Dodgers last year. And they had one in the fifth inning of that, of that series too, or I'm sorry, of the fifth game of that series. Also, uh, Marcelo Zuna uh, tried to tag up on a sack fly and let the, let the bag early and, uh, and was thrown out and was, was called out there. So um I mean, that's clearly, I, I still think it's an, like, it's not getting talked about because they won the game, but I would say they need to kind of like reassess and like um, maybe have a, a message to the team that, you know, maybe you don't have to be so aggressive just because it's the playoffs in certain situations or just, you know, just, just, just send a message to them to just reinforce, you know, we need to be smart on the base paths, not give away, not just outs, but also the scoring opportunities that we have, because, you know, especially this series has shown like, runs are precious uh, they've been very hard to come by in this series and you need every single one that you can get well it's also the one that happened today it started popping this idea in my head of you know how ron washington will work with guys before the game they'll be like on their hands and knees and he's doing you know he's doing fielding drills with them to make sure that their you know reaction time can get better how they can kind of handle all these things a little bit better it made me think of like, do the Braves need to go back to some like little league? Hey, let's get right. everybody. Let's get everybody on first base. All right. Here's the scenario. Ball gets hit. What are you doing? Kind of thing. You know, like, like do, do they need to go through some base running? Dr- I, I get it seems rudimentary. It's the playoffs. It's just one of those like, th- does there need to be a strategy meeting? Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I know, what? Right. Because. It's bizarre. It's with, really bizarre. With this one today, with Adam Duvall, like this was the one where it just felt like to me there were so many fail-safes for that not to result in the way that it did, which is essentially the worst-case scenario for you. Um, you already mentioned one, which is like, you know, you just as soon as you see the ball coming into second base and you don't know if you're going to make it or not, you got to play it safe and uh, just try to hold that play up so that at least you give time for Austin Raleigh to score. I also wonder about EY, the, you know, the first base coach, why not just like be yelling at his ass to like not run there if he's going back to, if he, if you see him tagging up I get it like maybe you tag up and then you kind of like fake like you're gonna go or kind of test it to see where the ball goes because again you do want to try to you know get the second base you can in that situation um, so I'm not saying there was like necessarily something he could have done but I don't know maybe some more communication between those two about like what the plan is on, in, in a situation like that. Maybe he thought that he could get the second base because because he knew that Yelich's arm was not good enough. Um, but I don't know. Clearly, he was wrong in that instance because he was th- he was thrown out there at second base. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I also uh, I-, I got to learn something new out of the Major League Baseball rule book today. I don't know about you, Joe. Uh, when Lorenzo Cain went running into the outfield right. wall the and came down, and the ball pops out. Uh, our own 929 Mike Conti tweeted out of like, can the ground cause a fumble? <laughs> right. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and you're having this moment of like, what is the rule? And sure enough, I see it tweeted out that essentially, uh, unless it is, I think, unless it is voluntarily taken out of the glove, like after the play, um, that the catch has to be completed essentially okay, yeah like yeah. The, the the ground can cause through a fumble the, through the ground or whatever it is the, the calvin johnson uh yeah so here's the the technical rule is it's rule 5.09 section a paragraph one i am not kidding i'm not making that up that is real uh it is not a catch however if simultaneously or immediately following contact with the ball 
he collides with a player or with a wall, or if he falls down and as a result of such collision or falling drops the ball. Uh, so, uh, and then I, I loved it also because I saw someone tweet out during the game that was like, oh yeah, I, I love the fact that probably whoever wrote that did it in like the 1800s of <laughs> Major League <laughs> Baseball uh, of, of how that happened. But yeah. yeah, how insane that, I mean, because it was wild. They showed the replay. He clearly caught it. He, he had clearly, time to make a football move. Yeah, he did. Uh, two feet were down. Yeah, he right. collides. He collides into the wall. Uh, which was brutal that he hit the chain link fence instead yeah. of the. Those are not soft chain link fences like you might be used to. No, uh, and I, 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 it, it also made me another tangent kind of that that came to my mind was I get like the chain link fence is there for like bullpens to be able to see, uh, and they've even got the below the chop section over there where fans mm-hmm. can kind of look through. And I was like, man, is there really nothing different? They can do padding or protective wise uh, instead of that, because I mean, guys running into the padded stuff injure themselves plenty of times and seeing that collision with Lorenzo Kane against the chain link fence was just, I was ouch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, simply is, is all I could say, but then yeah, seeing, seeing him catch it collide. And then when he came down, the ball pops out. I immediately, I just assumed I was like, well, that's now. Uh, and then nope, sure enough. Uh, like I said, according to the major league baseball rules, he's got to, if he's going to make a collision, he's got to come down with it all the way. Uh, and that was, you know, that was a new one for me. Learn something new. Yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't know that either. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't know the rule until you just said it now. I'm even what, like, I even feel like they could, you know, there could be some argument that like, he made the catch and then he hit the wall and he still had the ball after he held after he hit the wall, but then he hit the ground and that's, yeah. What, so, you know, but that's, but the rule is, is saying there were, there were questions about not, it in the yeah. press box. Too. I, Dave O'Brien was sitting in front of me in the press box and he was me like, is that an out? He's like, could they call that an out? And I think there were some people wondering if they were going to review it. Did they ever, I don't think they ever, never actually went to go review nope. it on replay. Did they no. Okay. no. Well, well, okay. So here's the thing. They might have, but there was no official review done. Uh, they might have reviewed it while they took the time for him to essentially like get up off the ground, right? Because uh, I mean, they did stop play for a couple of minutes there. Oh, that's uh, right. As, yeah, yeah. as so they naturally, yeah, as naturally, it just took him a while to get up. Because I mean, yeah, it was that was a, a huge hit. Uh, yeah. it was, you know, it was kind of a rough one there. And I was happy to see, you know, he got he got a nice ovation from the Braves fans as well when he yeah, was uh, in the game, which was great to great to hear. Joe, uh, with this game heading into Game Four, Braves up two one. Who do you want to see make the start tomorrow? Hmm. Who do I want to see? Who do Pro- yeah? Give give me who you want to see, and then who you expect to see. I probably want to see Yanoa. But I expect to see Smiley and Yanoa. <laughs> I, I think that I think we're likely looking at a piggy, a classic piggyback situation where Drew Smiley makes the start, goes one or two innings or three innings twice through the lineup, essentially, is what I'm expecting from him. Then you hand the ball off to Yanoa. He, he can probably give you more than one inning. He'll probably go two innings. And at that point, you're probably what in like the sixth inning. And then you can kind of go to more of a normal bullpen. Uh, situation so 
that's what I would expect. But I don't know. It's even going to be interesting because now Matzik was thrown. Matzik and Luke Jackson both threw again today. They have thrown in every game of this series so far. I, I, I think they expect to throw in every game. Like, I think that those guys will tell you, like, you know, we're, we're ready to go. Like, we'll, we'll pitch whenever the, our number's called and all that kind of stuff. But personally, like, I don't know if I want to see them pitching every single game because, you know, they're maybe not, not going to be as effective if they are. So well, Jeff Francoeur talked about it a lot on the broadcast today. And it was very obvious to see having Matzik out there a third straight day. That was just another day that the Milwaukee Brewers had an opportunity to get used to his stuff, Mm -hmm. get used to pitch location, get used to speed, all of that. And so it it felt odd. I I, I mean, I I don't know. Like I said before, thankfully, I don't have to make those managerial decisions. I would not have sent uh, Tyler Matzik out there today. You know, I, I wouldn't have had Matzik or Luke Jackson out there. I'd have sent somebody a little bit low, you know, low pressure. Um, and and AJ Mentor, you know, was a guy who was warming up. Uh, Jacob Webb is another guy that I would think of. Mm-hmm. Some someone who can get the job done uh, and can keep your top of the line guys fresh for what I would hope is tomorrow a a you know a, a game clinching scenario where now are you going to send a guy out for a fourth straight day and like that ju- that's just uh it gives me chills because the, the the scary scenario is that the Braves reach that part of the game and then blow it because they've you know the, like those guys have been seen too much and there's enough tape out on them I mean sure there's a whole season of tape but it's different when you, your the player yourself, uh, is facing these guys, and uh, I, I don't know, I don't like it. I get uncomfy about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about this starting. What the Braves might do with the starting pitcher tomorrow? Um, uh, you know, Drew Smiley. The, the reason that I think it's going to be him is because I don't see why he would have been on the Braves. NLDS roster if it yeah. weren't for this exact situation essentially I which agree. is the pitch in a clinching game where you have a series lead if they did not have a series lead I do not think it would be Drew Smiley I think it would be Charlie Morton probably coming back on short rest mm-hmm. um Brian Snicker did say after the game he had talked to I think he I think he specifically said three three guys that he had talked to before today's game about potentially starting game four I have to think that those three guys are Drew Smiley, Wasker Yanoa, and probably and Charlie Morton. Uh, yeah. Three three guys you might you know throw out there. Um, so I, I just think I, for I think that's one reason I think it's going to be Smiley again. If you look at his splits this season, um, none of them are great. Again, you know he just like hasn't had a, a great year. Certainly, what the Braves were expecting when they signed him to that free agent contract. But if you look at you know his first time through the order as a starting pitcher. Um, you know, the teams are OPSing 773 against them, which is not great, but he is striking out 6.44 per walk. His strikeout per walk is 6.44. That drops to 1.5 the second time around and then actually goes up a little bit to 2.8 the third time around. But that is a significant drop. I think it shows you that um, he can kind of like fool hitters with his approach and, um, you know, maybe something because they haven't seen him or whatever that first time around, but after that, it starts to get really dicey. So I think that they'll probably throw him through the, through the order once he'll, they'll probably have a plan to throw him to have him pitch the order the second time, go through the Braves, the Brewers lineup again, a second time. But if things get dicey, I think they'll, they'll be pretty quick to, to pull him and get Wascar, you know, in there. Um, As far as the Brewers go, They've used Adrian Hauser 
yeah. um, who would essentially expected to be their fourth starter. Um, they've got Eric Lauer, who is their fifth rotation guy. But what do you think they like? Is there any idea of what they might do? Because I mean, there's there's no way Corbin Burns is coming back for game four. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, Craig, Craig Council was asked about this after the game and he categorically said it will not be. Uh, okay. Or it won't be Corbin Burns. He's not going to start game four. He will start game five, surely, uh, because of that. So, um, you know, but that's got to feel like a huge advantage for the Braves. A hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, I think that they must have been pretty happy when they heard that news. Um, because, oh, yeah. You know, it's not going to be Burns. Obviously, it's not going to be Woodruff. So, you know, it's it's going to be somebody that they feel like they, they'll be able to have some success with. And I was just thinking, as soon as I heard that and just, you know, with the way the series has gone, um, how bad are the Brewers missing Devin Williams right now? Who broke his hand I know. In, in those celebrations? I, I mean, know. Like, he would be so huge to that have. That was and that's essentially the role that Hauser is kind of filled. Like yep. he or has had to, I, I guess it, it, at least, uh, you know, in their eyes, just for the fact of, yeah, your, your setup man who is consistent and one of the best in major league baseball. Yeah. Breaks his hand right before the playoffs. Uh, I mean, it, this is, it, it seems almost uh, this has got to be the, stress-free the most stress-free I think I've felt heading into a scenario like this where the Braves have have a lead Mm -hmm. uh and 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 look it's all well possible that the Braves absolutely you know screw it up and blow this thing tomorrow it just doesn't feel like it because it also not only uh is is Craig Council like throwing out you know his his fourth starter in two different days as a reliever but then He's throwing different lineups, like batting lineups, mm-hmm. uh, different you know position players are coming in. Like he's trying to do anything he can, and it's ended up still with outside of one swing and one inning, the Brewers not being able to score any runs. So I mean, this just seems set up perfectly for for the Braves to have the upper hand, which just seems odd. I don't know. I, well, it feels weird. I, I think us Braves fans too are like specifically familiar with what the Brewers are going through right now with like when yeah. you, you know you got this big playoff appearance, you haven't been in the playoff and playoffs in several years and now you're just like going cold and it doesn't feel like you can do anything to to really fix that, you know, at least in, in the short term. It doesn't feel like there's <laughs> going to be and I I have to imagine if you're a player it feels like the pressure is just mounting, you know, it's like that. It's like the, the grill on your back that just is just keeps getting bigger and bigger because you're not like having some, you know, breakout moment that kind of releases all that pressure. So uh, I I've got to feel like the, you know, offensively, the Braves look like a much more dangerous team. I feel like the Braves have had, uh, I mean, I don't know if this is actually true, but it just seems like they've had more threatening situations more often um, in this series. So um, I think, yeah, for, for me, again, I, I'm with you. It makes me a lot more comfortable. Um, and then just knowing that the Brewers don't really have any of their top guys they can throw at you again for, for one more game. They got to try to survive it. And again, I'll say like, this is why this game is so important for the Braves to actually lock this thing down because like you have a great opportunity to do it. Uh, and if you don't take the opportunity, then not only do things get more difficult, but honestly, like they might not even be in your favor if you don't take this chance that you have uh, when they play tomorrow. Well, and I'll add one more thing on top of this is that if the Braves can finish this series out, that gives them extra rest. Meanwhile, it looks at least in my opinion, 
like the Giants and Dodgers are going to kind of like heavyweight beat up on each other and their five game series. I fully expect that to go five games. Yeah, I don't know yeah. about you, but it just seems like those teams are it too talented. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, we deserve right. that series yeah. to yeah, go yeah. five games because of how talented those teams are. Uh, and the fact that they can't meet uh, in the NLCS at this point uh, that it just, that, that seems like an added layer and an added reason for the Braves to finish thing, this thing out tomorrow mm-hmm. is because you then get a leg up on one of these two teams who clearly you had a tough time with in the regular season and anyone, you know, you would expect anyone to uh, like, like that's just you could added motivation. If, if you win game four, you most likely can come back with Morton freed game one and game two yeah. in the NLCS. Like you don't have, you can basically set yourself up once again, your rotation and put it basically in the best position position possible. So, and the yeah. Dodgers and giants, wouldn't be yeah, able to exactly. do that like that's that's the idea is uh you know i mean you could you could end up uh facing potential like kevin gossman yeah. uh game one who got beat up uh <laughs> by the dodgers uh and and i know braves fans would probably now that he's on the other side would would love to see that sort of scenario uh happen before we get out of here i do want to mention john culver also had a comment here in the uh in the in the comments of the facebook live saying smiley's been working been working out of the pen and and he thinks that you know will will be followed by smiley so it'll be you know smiley instead of smiley you know definitely possible and um if you actually if you look at the uh their times facing the opponent, you know, I would actually say that like, well, you know, has been better overall, but when you look at, you know, what he actually improves his second time around his stats um, facing the opponent, the, the second time, both are terrible. The third time they see, which is, you know, pretty much every pitcher is it's, it's very hard to be effective consistently the third time seeing an order, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I would not be surprised, John, you might be right on that one too. Well, and, and I guess at the end of the day, the only thing, the only thing that would surprise me, because sure, I could see, you know, a start. Uh, I could see Smiley start. The only thing that would shock me is if one of them doesn't pitch tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Uh, like it, yeah. like if, if Snit decides, uh, well, and, and I guess in a, there is a scenario, and I only see this if Enoa starts, if Enoa's hot and, you know, and, and he's just mowing through this lineup, then you know, maybe you do extend this thing and, and if he could get it out to the later innings and then let your bullpen kind of finish it up. Uh, otherwise, I yeah, I fully expect that we're going to see, you know, yeah. and and, uh, and Smiley, even though Smiley still just makes me so nervous. <laughs> you never know what you know. You know, is the kind of pitcher who can just like pull a seven innings of shutout yeah. ball out of his ass. Like, you yeah, know, he's, he's, he's that kind of pitcher. So um, that could that could definitely happen. And he can hit he can hit for himself, too. Like he can do a lot of things that are that are interesting. He's obviously got a, a nice strikeout rate. So, um, yeah, uh, but I'm with you, though. When I just keep thinking about this game. I just can't stop thinking about how much of a good position the Braves are in right now with a chance to chance to win this thing and to do it at home in front of the home fans will be awesome as well. Yeah. Well, and also thankfully tomorrow, the Braves will get more of a uh, regular start time. You won't have to deal with the one o'clock sun. It's set for a five Oh seven first pitch, uh, which hopefully will also fill out the stands a little bit better. I I noticed today uh, and, and I can't really can't criticize Braves fans too much per se, like people have to work, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so having a, 
it just feels weird in they, general having they did, a they did announce it was a sellout um so i imagine that well, there were quite a bit of fans that were like trying to get out of the sun and just like not be in their seats like for the whole game yeah sure well and also you know sellout only count 85 percent, i think is what it takes to have a sellout um i think what was just more noticeable to me was behind home plate uh was an area that i expected to be filled out uh, mm-hmm. oh that is one I, I completely forgot i don't know if you saw it being at the game yeah. uh but it was definitely talked about on the broadcast which is chipper jones mm-hmm. having an e5 <laughs> as they kept calling it uh with, with a, a foul ball coming to him and he just completely whiffed on it in a, in a way like it came right to him <laughs> yeah. and it, you know it was almost like he just got a little a little scared it like, was yeah like, i know that's the funny part is the way he he messed it up was really funny and i loved it andrew jones sitting right there next to him absolutely. like laughing at him that was great that was great yeah man. well and, and yeah it's just it's it's nice to have your legends uh right there um who can you know who can take in a, a nice monday afternoon uh game uh and and you know we get to poke a little fun at them when they when they mess up things like that <laughs> uh anything else you want to get to joe before we get out of here uh no i think we can get out this was good hopefully they win tomorrow right absolutely i'm looking for uh a series ender tomorrow with like i said a 507 first pitch uh it will be on tbs once again uh for my co-host joe patrick i'm caleb johnson thanks for watching batter up recap okay Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t